Cooking oils are not usually a hot topic when we talk about food storage, but it is an essential item if you are into preserving the taste, texture, and nutritional value of your food. They not only enhance the flavor of your dishes, but also provide essential fatty acids and vitamins that are essential to your diet. Hey, this is episode 779 of the Ready Your Future podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you prepare for a better future. It's all about loving your people, getting prepared, and living free. I'm Todd Sepulveda, a regular guy living in the suburbs who understands the need to be better prepared for the future. Hey, are you looking to up your preparedness knowledge? Don't spend time bouncing around the internet for the best preparedness content. Instead, sign up for the top preparedness articles and get them right in your email. For $5 a month, you can get the top preparedness articles from around the internet sent to your email weekly. You can choose to read them or drop them in the Pocket app and have them read to you as you go about your day. The Buy Me a Coffee link to the top preparedness articles is in the show notes. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. I hope you enjoyed the other episodes that were kind of uh, thrown in there this last week, kind of experimenting and trying some things. If you enjoyed them, let me know. Send me an email, Todd at readyyourfuture.com, or leave me a review wherever you listen to the podcast. Hey, I want to send a big shout out to my listeners in the UK. Thanks so much for listening over there, guys. We are getting really close to finishing The Little House in the Big Woods, just kind of the little recaps. If you're new to the podcast, I've been doing a little recap of Little House in the Big Woods, and it's a book that my fifth grade teacher read to the whole class. Actually, she read the whole Little House in the Prairie series, and just recently, I uh, I can't even remember how I got on it, um, but I downloaded the first book and started listening to it. And, uh, you know, there's so many things we, we talk about all the prepper fiction that we reread and all the like preparedness things they kind of throw in there, um, and things that would be helpful to know. Uh, but we get a lot of that in, in the, you know, little house in the big woods actually in, in all of that. And so, uh, you know, that's, I think it's a great series for kids to, uh, uh, kids to to hear or read, but then also it's just it's it's good for us too. I think uh, I've enjoyed listening to them. And the uh, if you're into podcasts, which I mean you you are, you're listening to them right now. You're into audiobooks as well. These chapters are not very long; they're like eleven, twelve, you know, thirteen minutes sometimes. So this one was called Harvest Time, and we're down. I mean, there's two more, and then I don't think I'm going to continue the series. Uh, but this has been a fun you know thing to do. So this one's called Harvest Time. And Paul and the family go to his brother Henry's uh, place to harvest the oats. And, you know, you hear a lot about you had to get it done uh, that day. It was a lot of work. They're out there grinding it out uh, in the field, uh, taking care of things. And then they need to get it covered because if it rained or the dew came or whatever, it would ruin the oats. But really, the chapter was around Charlie. So this is Henry's son. And Paul would always uh, mention to Ma that Charlie was a little spoiled, right? Back in the day when when Paul was young, he was out working in the field, and and Charlie's not necessarily like that. So after lunch, they uh, Henry tells Charlie that he's going to have to go out there and help them because they just have so much work to do. And basically, he's going to be running errands for them as they're out there in the field or Charlie's a little spoiled, and so he starts doing some stupid things. And uh, at one point, they get fed up with him, and so his dad tells him, hey, go stand over there. And so while he's over there, he starts to play wolf, right? He starts to call wolf. And he does that three times, 
and they go, you know, they drop what they're doing and they run over to him and he's just like laughing. He laughs because, hey, made you come and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, the fourth time around, you know, you get, you, you, you call Wolf so many times, you know, next time is like, forget it. We're not going. And so this fourth time, they just were neglecting it. They're like, yeah, let him, let him play around whatever he's going to do. And so they continued working. But Charlie kept screaming and he was jumping up and down and you just, you know, really kind of the, the screams go from bad to worse. So they finally say, okay, maybe we need to go check this out. And so what Charlie had done was stepped on a hornet's nest, uh, yellow jacket, and he was getting stung all over the place. So they get him out of there. They take off his clothes. They kill all the, the yellow jackets that are on him and that are in his clothes. They get him dressed back. They get him to the house and it's kind of funny. I mean, because he's supposedly he's got bites all over him. He's got a face and his, his eyes are closing shut and his face is blowing up. And he's got, you know, this big old reaction to all these stings and they just drop him off. It's kind of like, Hey, we're dropping you off to the, to, you know, to Ma and, and Hedrick's wife. I can't remember her name and whatever it was anyway. So they drop him off and they go back, you know, out to the field because it's so important to get those oats up and and you know they only have daylight to, to be able to do that and then they're done well one of the things you know you're thinking about okay how do they handle this at this time so ma goes out and she gets a lot of dirt to create mud and so they take off his clothes and they put they cover him with mud and then they wrap him in a sheet and then in on his face they put mud all over his face and uh, you know Laura is recounting the story of how his face you know his eyes are sh- closing shut and he's got uh you know his his face is blown up it's all red and everything and uh they put mud all over his face as well and cover it with cloth and the only thing really that they leave open is is his nose so that th- he can breathe right and so they do that so that he can uh i guess heal from you know from the stings and that's that natural remedy that they would use like nowadays we would have you know stuff that we can put on it you could would take some benadryl or something along those lines one of the other things that they do is create uh or steep some herbs so that they can deal with the fever and so they had those natural home remedies where they would go ahead and take care of that but i've never heard of the you know putting dirt and wrapping it up and, and going from there. But, um, it's one of those things, you know, it's like that spoiled kid calls a wolf playing around when, when people are working and then you, it's that classic example of, you know, there you go. Uh, when you really needed to call for help, uh, they didn't come because you had just messed with them so many times. But anyway, that's, I thought it was a very interesting chapter and a little bit of insight into how they took care of, Uh, you know, medical emergencies and things like that back in the day. All right. So uh, that is it for that one. And we will, like I said, we have two more chapters in the Little House in the Big Woods series, and then we'll kind of end it from there. All right. So let's go ahead and jump into our episode of the podcast. It comes to us from my friend, Linda Loosely over at foodstoragemoms.com. And the title is How to Store Cooking Oil Long-Term. Now, one of the things about cooking oil is that it doesn't have that long-term shelf life like a lot of the things that we, like canned food and, uh, you know, you can buy that 25-year, you know, dehydrated, freeze-dried food and, and put it up and do use Mylar bags and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't have that, but it's essential. And so one of the things that I want to do is is like when you're thinking about oil that you are keeping, you know, what kind are you going to keep? Which one has the longest shelf life? 
what can you do to prolong that shelf life, make it even longer than it's, you know, if it was just sitting on your shelf? And then what if you couldn't go to the store any longer and get, you know, oil for, for whatever reason? I mean, if you are someone who never cooks, you probably don't realize how important it is. But if you're someone who cooks from home, you're like, okay, we need different types of oil for different meals that we cook. So then what would you do in a situation when you couldn't go to the store and get any more oil or it was just very, you you were starting to, uh, there was a lot of shortages, right? So let's go ahead and jump into this one. Um, Linda's going to cover a lot of these things, but then on the back end, I'm going to go ahead and, and talk about some of these things that I mentioned here just now. So again, coming to us from foodstoragemoms.com, how to store cooking oil long-term. Looking to learn how to store cooking oil long-term? Cooking oil is an essential kitchen staple to have in your pantry, but it's not necessarily the easiest item to store for a long period of time. And that can be a serious problem, especially if you're stocking up on cooking oil to cover all of your prepping needs. After all, you'd quickly grow tired of eating dry and cold food if you've ever faced with an emergency situation and wished you'd had cooking oil to prepare a hot meal. But not to worry, I'd like to take a few moments to share with you everything you need to know about storing cooking oil long term, along with the shelf life and how you can tell if your cooking oil has become rancid oil. When I say long-term, I'm not suggesting a period of 10 or 15 years or longer. Please keep that in mind. We'll be discussing storage periods to consider as part of this post. So how to store cooking oil long-term? Does cooking oil really go bad? When most food starts to go bad, such as milk or eggs, this usually means that bacteria has started to grow. Consuming these types of food in that condition can cause you to become sick. While cooking oil doesn't usually ever have bacteria growing in it, the oil can still become rancid. This can cause your cooking oil to smell and taste bad and even break down the healthy compounds that are in it. So what are the usual culprits of cooking oil going bad? Well, there are three main reasons that cause your cooking oil to go bad. And guys, I'm just going to insert here. It's the ones that cause all food to go bad. But let me just go ahead and, and go through this again. Having exposure to light, heat, and oxygen are cooking oil's worst enemies. But water can also be an issue if it's mixed with your cooking oil. However, water contamination shouldn't be an issue if your cooking oil container is sealed and hasn't been opened, even if it's been stored in a humid location. An airtight container works best when you're storing oil. A bottle of cooking oil can last a long time when stored correctly. So as I already briefly mentioned, if you want your cooking oil to last longer when being stored, you need to keep it away from light, heat, and oxygen. By storing in these ideal conditions, your cooking oil should remain fresh while lasting much longer when stored in the right storage spaces. Use these tips for learning how to store cooking oil long-term. So keep it out of the light. There are certain cooking oils that don't do well when they are exposed to direct sunlight since that tends to break down the oil and can cause them to spoil a lot faster. Light tends to break down your cooking oil's antioxidants and cause the healthy parts of it to degrade much quicker than you or I would like. It's best to keep your cooking oil stored in a dark cupboard or another place that's away from any windows. You might even notice that some high-quality cooking oils are stored in dark packaging to allow them to stay fresh longer. And then again, keep them away from heat. Too much heat can dramatically decrease the life of your cooking oil. 
One long-term study showed that when several cooking oils were exposed to 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit, they went rancid within six to eight months. When kept at 59 degrees Fahrenheit, there was hardly any rancidity present in the oils even after three years. This just proves that it's important for you to keep your cooking oil in a cool location, preferably under 60 degrees. This is the easiest way to give the oil a longer shelf life. All right, so that might be hard to do for a lot of people uh, unless you have a basement in in Europe further up north and you're able to keep it down there and uh, it's 59 degrees or unless you can keep it in the refrigerator. Now, I mean, there's space and things like that that you need to consider and you're not going to take up a whole shelf for, you know, um, for cooking oil in your refrigerator because you're thinking really, really long-term. However, if you have an extra refrigerator, you know, somewhere like maybe like in the garage or something like that, that might be something to consider there. And then lastly, again, keep away from oxygen. Now the oxidation of oil isn't one simple step. It is actually a series of chemical reactions that produce the rancid outcome. Although all cooking oils are subject to some oxidation, the combination of higher temperatures, direct sunlight, and then the oxygen speeds up the process. If there is some moisture in the oil or it comes in contact with some metals like iron, the process takes place more quickly. It is interesting to note that oil that comes from fish and mussels tend to deteriorate much faster because they have more polyunsaturated fatty acids in their makeup. You need to take extra caution with these oils. Then you can avoid cooking oils that come in plastic bottles. Now, cooking oils that are cheap typically come in plastic bottles. Although you may think otherwise, they aren't really airtight like they appear. They have very tiny holes in them that allow oxygen in, and over a long period of time of storing, you may even notice that you have an oily mess to clean up. That's why it's better to purchase cooking oils that come in glass jars or metal containers because they do a better job of remaining airtight. Storing oil in glass bottles is always a better option. You can always switch the oil bottle that your oil comes in to help give it a longer shelf life. Just make sure you label everything. Since you're dealing with glass, be sure to properly secure the bottles or jars so they're less likely to topple off a shelf. If you do change the container, it will affect the expiration date of the original, so be sure to label when you swap the container so you know how long it's been in the new container. One of the things you might want to try also, guys, is trying out different brands because different brands might have a better container than 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 others. Now, I know if you're paying uh, for virgin olive oil and it does come like in a darker, the one that we get is usually in a darker uh, bottle. And so, you know, that might be, and, and it's sturdier, it's plastic, but it's a lot harder than some of the more flimsy ones. I mean, you know, you can grab it and touch it. And it's like, you can, you know, almost touch the sides, you know, if you, if you, if you, uh, poke it hard enough. And so that might be something you might want to consider is test out the different uh, bottles and the different brands and see which ones are better and which ones would last uh, longer. And that I was thinking that also, and she mentioned this here, like if you do switch it to a glass jar, then you're, you're going to go ahead and, you know, introduce oxygen to it. So it could be that when you go ahead and open it up. Maybe that's when you switch it over to a, to a glass jar or not. So anyway, you know, you need to really think about that one. You know, your mileage might vary on that one. So let's talk a little bit about the shelf life of different oils. So when unopened containers of different types of cooking oil are kept in a cool, dark place, 
they have a maximum shelf life that's mentioned on their labels. Here's a brief look at several of the most common healthy cooking oils that people use along with their average shelf life. This information may also help give you the best option when you're prepping and stocking up on cooking oil for emergencies. Keep in mind, these shelf life years are if the oil is stored in a cool, dark room and kept unopened. So canola oil is one to two years. Hydrogenated oil or Crisco is five years. Olive oil, three years. Peanut oil, three to four years. Palm oil, two to three years. Sunflower oil, one to two. Corn oil, one year. Coconut oil, one to two years. Safflower oil, one to two years. Almond oil, six months to one year. Sesame oil, two years. Walnut oil, one year. So the oil that's going to give you the longest shelf life is going to be Crisco if you if you wind up doing that one. That one's going to give you five years according to this list. Peanut oil is going to come in next with three to four years there. But the problem with peanut oil is a lot of people are allergic to peanuts, and so that might be a problem. Next, you have olive oil. Now, there's some things that you cook that we cook that, you know, we use olive oil uh, often, but there's some things that you cook that you don't want to use olive oil on. It's just because of the taste. And so you're using something else. So you really need to take into consideration the things that you cook, the things that you have stored for long-term food storage, things that you would want to uh, to do, and, and what you would need to be able to cook those foods. You don't want to be left with without a, a means to cook that. So moving on, can I store cooking oil in the refrigerator or freezer? One of the best ways to extend the shelf life of any food storage item, and that goes for storing your cooking oils long-term, is by placing them in your refrigerator or freezer. This can get you anywhere from one to two years past the original shelf life that's marked on the label. Just be aware that when you go to use the oil, you may notice that there's a cloudy presence as it begins to thaw. This doesn't mean that it's gone bad. This happens because the oil's molecules have been slowed down, but once the oil returns to room temperature, the cloudiness should go away. Use these tips when learning how to store cooking oil. Since your fridge maintains a temperature lower than 59 degrees Fahrenheit mentioned above, you'll appreciate the extra shelf life it will have. So make sure that you rotate your cooking oil often. If you're stocking up on cooking oil for your prepping purposes, remember that you only get a couple to a few years of storage out of them. So you'll need to continually rotate out your supply. You can do this by placing your older bottles in the front and moving your newer cooking oils to the back of your storage area and using up the older ones before they expire. Rotating different types of oil as listed above is important to the shelf life of the various cooking oils. So again, that's that first in, first out uh, scenario that we always talk about in food stores. Do the same thing with your oil. So how to tell when your cooking oil has gone bad. If you notice that your cooking oil has an unpleasant odor like it has fermented or it has a sweet smell to it, there's a good chance that it's gone bad. When oil becomes rancid, you may also notice a change in color or a lack of flavor. Unfortunately, it can sometimes be very hard to tell when cooking oil is slightly rancid because it may not be all that noticeable. You may not even be able to detect this until it has become very rancid. So what is the difference between shortening and other cooking oils? When we use the term shortening, we are really talking about any type of fat that remains solid at regular room temperature. That would include things like butter, margarine, and lard. Shortening is made from both animal fat and various vegetable oils. Most of the shortening you see at the store is made from one of the many vegetable oils like palm or cottonseed oil. So what is the advantage of using extra virgin olive oil? 
We all have heard that olive oil is good for us. Extra virgin olive oil is particularly good since it is the least processed of the grades of olive oil. When it's antioxidants in vitamin E and K, it has been known to fight inflammation and may help protect against heart disease and combat cancer. One of the things about virgin oil that I have heard throughout the years is that what we get in the store is not usually, it's not like 100% uh, virgin olive oil. A lot of the times it's cut with something else. And so uh, that's just something to consider. Like if you're, if you're finding virgin olive oil for like a really, really cheap price, it's probably not 100% virgin olive oil. So, you know, you might need to look into that a little bit more if that's something that, you know, you really want 100% virgin olive oil. So next up is what is truffle oil? So truffle oil is actually olive oil that has been infused with truffle. I always thought a truffle was a type of candy. It's actually a strong smelling underground fungus. Oh my. This unique item has been used for a long time as a culinary delicacy that can be added to homemade food for some extra flair. So the final word to wrap up proper storage of cooking oil is crucial for them to remain fresh. If you can keep them in a cool place and away from sunlight, that's even better. It also doesn't hurt to purchase cooking oils that come in glass or metal containers because they do an excellent job of remaining airtight. So get to storing those oils long-term for your prepping needs the proper way and take advantage of their amazing shelf life. May God bless this world, Linda. All right, guys. So again, a good article there with a lot of information that we can uh, look into. So I have a couple of things that I wanted to talk about. Um, There's a lot of you know, when we talk about oil and we hear about it going rancid, what do you do with that rancid olive or the rancid oil, right? Well, I mean, what do you do with that um, afterwards? And so there's a couple of things that uh, come in, come into mind. So uh, one of the things is you can use it as a lubricant. So although it might be smelly or, you know, you can't use it for cooking oil, you can use it to lubricate machines, bicycles, and other equipment. I remember when we, when I was younger and my, when my dad had his first place, we had a tractor and the bush hog was on there to cut the grass. And we were taking, he was wanting to take that off, uh, to put, uh, I can't remember what other attachment he was putting on and we could not get it off to save our lives. Like it was not coming off. He was, I think he'd used up the little can of WD 40. We were hitting it. I mean, we, we were doing all different kinds of things. We finally went to, okay, what is, uh, what's something else that we have that's, that we can use as a lubricant because going to the store in Palestine, was like, you know, a 45 minute trip. We're like, okay, we don't want to do that. Um, what else can we do? And so we went to the, you know, to the kitchen and we got oil that was there and so we started using some of that oil and eventually it did come off, you know? And so that's one of those things that you can use it. If you have garden tools, if you're gardening and, and you can use it for that. Um, so that's something to, to consider. Another thing you can do with rancid oil is use it as an insecticide. Now, I don't know how this works, so you're going to have to look into it, but some of it will repel insects and pests in the garden. So you might need to do a little bit more research on that. I kind of mentioned this one already, rust prevention. So if you have garden tools, you can put it there on there to prevent rust on those and other metal surfaces and just kind of coating that. Um, I would always, when I had a little can of WD-40, so when I had my little saw that I would you know, cut down branches and things like that in the backyard. I would always hit it with, uh, with a little bit of WD-40 or my, you know, my clippers or whatever. I would always hit that there. Then 
Another thing you can do is soap making. I've never heard of this one, but rancid oil can be used in the production of soap. Again, I don't have a lot of information on that one, but you can look that up and do a little bit of research on that and see if that's something that you could uh, you could use. And then, of course, there's always the fuel. And so uh, you can use it for fuel for lamps or even for fire starter if you need it. And um, one of the things is it might be smelly as it burns off, but you could use that uh, in a way to have a, a quick little lamp if you needed something like that. So what happens if you, you know, we get to a point, I kind of mentioned this at the beginning, if we get to a point where we run out of uh, going to the store, you can't, you know, you can't go to the store and you can't get oil. What are you going to do? What are you going to use for cooking? I mean, you know, what, what's out there? So what did they do back in the day? You know, we was talking about Little House in the Big Woods. What did they do back then? Actually, not too long ago, I talked a little bit about a time where, where Ma was rendering lard. And so that's one of the things that people did back in the day was they used animal fats. And so animal fats such as tallow, lard, uh, and butter were commonly used for cooking. I mean, you can go buy lard right now at the at the grocery store. I know mine. I, I've I've seen that there. Uh, one of the things that's easy for people who can get, uh, who have a, you know a milk cow or goats or whatever, you might be able to make butter really easily. That might be your way out of that, um, but that might be something that you would consider. The other thing is you can use plant oils. Now, this is going to be a lot harder to do. It's going to be, all of this is time intensive. But uh, for instance, olive oil, coconut oil, palm oil, and sesame oil were used in different parts of the world. And But it's like, that is time intensive. You're going to have to uh, learn how to deal with that and and extract the oils on that one. And I'll touch, I'll touch on that in here in just a second. Uh, you have nut oils there also, like almond oil, walnut oil, uh, peanut oil. You know, one of my favorite stories going back to, um, you know, school was my second grade teacher read a book on George Washington Carver. And then later on, um, actually not too long ago, I listened to an audio book. I downloaded an audio book about George Washington Carver and what he was, I mean, all the things that he did just with the peanut, you know? And so um, that's something that you might be able to grow and use that as an oil. Uh, we have fish oils if you live out in the coast. And then seed oils such as flaxseed and sunfi- sunflower oil uh, were, the, were there. So how do you how are you going to take these things and and really process them? Because we're so used to really come on. I mean, when we think about oil, is going to the the shelf on our on our pantry and grabbing a bottle, and that is it. What if we had to do this manually? All right. So one of the things is, you know, of course, the the rendering of the animal fats, that's one thing that you would, you know, that you can do. And that's going to be more of a, a, a boiling and, you know, your, your filtering and all that kind of stuff. You're going to have to, again, that's very time intensive. But extracting oil, uh, you know, when, you, when we're talking about like plants and we're talking about nuts, is one of the things is uh, you can grind them into a paste and then you press them out to extract the oil, right? And so you would have to, uh, you know, take time to do that. I was thinking about the book of Eli uh, the other, well, as I was preparing for this one. And if you if you watch that movie, at the very beginning, he kills a cat. 
And then he then he goes into town and he goes into barter. And one of the things he wants to do is like charge up his his uh, his little MP3 player, or iPod, or whatever it is. And the guy's asking him, "Do you have any lotion or or lip balm, whatever?" And so he he grabs out this little little case, and he's like, "It's cat oil that you can use, you know, for lip lip balm or whatever." And so I'm like, "That's kind of gross, but I mean, you know, you make do with what you what you have, you know, during the apocalypse." So that was one of the things that he was able to render, I guess, you know, as he killed that um, that furless cat. You know, that was a crazy crazy beginning to the movie anyway i mean you then you, you got to filter and purify it right so after you extract it you're going to filter you're going to purify it all um you know over and over again so you need cheesecloth or a fine mesh strainer to filter out the oil and then you can also purify it by heating it but not heating it too much but but he heating it enough and that you really need to do more research into how to do all that and then of course you need to store it just like you know, Linda talked about in a cool, dry place to be, or cool, uh, you know, cool, dry, and you know, out of out of uh, you know any kind of heat or uh, sunlight or anything else like that. And so, it, again, it's very labor intensive to be able to do something like that. So, what would you do in that kind of situation, or would you just go about it? it was like, forget it, man. It's not even worth it. Um, we're just not going to have oil. We're just going to find a way to cook without it. You know, maybe maybe you would use uh, if you were in a place where it, there was plenty of sun, you could use a sun oven, and that would work, um, and and kind of go from there. Well, everyone, that's it for episode seven hundred and seventy nine, and talking about cooking oil and how to store it. Hey, if you found this episode valuable, I would appreciate a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you haven't subscribed, make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you my blackout checklist to know what you should do before, during, and after the lights go out. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.